Welcome to the Eye of Power podcast. I'm your host, Tom Dardick. But this podcast is not about me. It's about you and your power. It's time to claim yours. As regular listeners know, the Eye of Power podcast is all about the ways we better understand the true nature and extent of our personal power. The clearer we see the goings-on inside our heads, the more we're able to make and stick with high-quality decisions. Building skills that increase this clarity improves nearly all aspects of our life. Our health, our relationships, our peace of mind, our experiences, and the value we bring to other people. The Eye of Power is a model, a map, that provides a path to see this inner territory. It's useful for anyone who wishes to follow that path. In today's episode, we'll focus on one of the most foundational such skills. Like many skills, we can also consider it a habit. This one operates like a valve. When open, it allows our power to flow fully. When shut, we're more like automatons. We just run whatever routines happen to be programmed into our brains. With this valve shut, our thoughts and feelings, and thus our behavior and fate, are limited by the consequences of those behaviors. We feel those limits when we feel victimized, excluded, or unworthy. To break those barriers and open ourselves to the full extent of our power, we must develop the skill and habit of mindfulness. What do we mean by mindfulness? Evident from the word, it involves being full of mind, meaning that we're aware. In the extreme, we're mindful when we notice all we can about our thoughts, emotions, bodily sensations, and the surrounding environment. To sustain this state, we must also avoid getting caught up in distraction. These usually come in the forms of some urge to render a judgment. We label something as good or bad or we can move to some action that takes us out of the present moment. Our mindfulness lessens as we turn our attention to what might happen in the future, or what could have been different in the past. We humans have a relationship with time that differs from all other earthly creatures. Our recollection of the past is a storehouse for our wisdom and acumen. Other creatures do that too. It's our ability to imagine a future and formulate plans that expands our universe of possibility and really distinguishes humans. This is one of the features of an emergent consciousness, and it's a wonderful thing. And we can get caught up in that place. We can daydream about what might be. We can worry about something that might happen. That's largely wasted energy. Because the problem is our ability to act in ways that produce desired results is confined to the present moment. Mindfulness allows us to direct a greater amount of our consciousness to that place, the place of our power. That's worth repeating. Our power lives in the present. It's there where we can remain open and curious. These are good words to describe the attitude where we are most able to learn. We often think of learning as a function of effort and capacity. Yet the thing that fundamentally limits our learning is the illusion that we already know the answer. We don't, at least not in its entirety. For this reason, mindfulness goes hand in hand with humbleness. The first step towards greater mindfulness is our attitude. 
We need to think of our understanding, whatever the topic, whether it's something going on with our physical bodies, the perceptions of another person, the soundness of a policy, or the nature of a complex process, as models, as subject to continual revision and expansion. This creates a positive feedback loop of sorts. Mindfulness is nutritious for our perceptive powers. As we continue to stay in the question, we stay in the moment. This not only improves the models we use to navigate life, this also builds relationships. Because people like to be seen and heard. You know the experience. How great is it when someone is fully present with us, focused 100% on understanding our perspective? I encountered a person who was a true master with this skill and habit. He was world-renowned and loved, and this ability was no small contributor to his success. I didn't know him well, but he made me feel like I did. I've become friends with his daughter, but this was mainly after his death. More to the point, when we met at two separate business functions, he was interested in knowing me, at least the things about me that distinguished me from others. He didn't do this just for me. When he met someone, and he met plenty of people, he stopped. Even when he was busy, even when there were many people waiting for their turn for his attention, he smiled. He looked the person up and down in careful consideration. He wasn't going to just blow smoke. That would be 180 degrees out of phase with what he was about. He would find whatever he could in the short span of an introduction and he would express appreciation to the person for bringing that quality, be it a smile, an attitude or energy, an accomplishment, a sense of fashion, whatever could be discerned quickly. He was a hugger because he loved people, all people. In that short span, he made people feel like they were the only person in the world who mattered to him. We're not all Charlie Tremendous Jones, but we're all ourselves. And if Charlie were still with us, he would say that's a wonderful thing. And even more of that unique wonderfulness shines out when we're mindful. How do we make that happen? What was Charlie's secret? There's no shortcut. It's like any other skill. It begins with awareness. That's what I'm trying to help you build with this podcast. Once we're aware, it comes down to a decision. Will I be more mindful or won't I? That's it. That's where our power is. If we have our full power, we can make decisions like that. If we don't, we deceive ourselves. We tell ourselves we will do something, then we don't do it. That's another of the chief ways we bleed our power. It's also a good measure of how much personal power we actually have built. But when we decide, and we have the integrity to stick with it, building skill in anything simply comes down to doing the work. The work of mindfulness is really a practice. The practice of mindfulness goes way back. Eastern traditions like Buddhism led the way. The practice of mindfulness is as relevant today as ever. It is spread throughout the world because its benefits are proven. Study after study indicate regular mindfulness practice reduces stress, enhances emotional well-being, improves our focus and attention, increases resilience, and fosters a greater sense of overall well-being. Many people practice mindfulness by meditating. There are so many ways to meditate, it could be a topic of its own. I have some experience with meditation. 
I've practiced it through martial arts, a kundalini practice, prayer, and numerous deep dive meditative retreats. Some of these experiences produce profound results. These days, I get my mindfulness training via a daily yoga practice. It's a half hour or so per day. I began because it was recommended to help me with my chronic back pain, which it did. But if I'd understood the physical and mental benefits, I would have begun this amazing habit long ago. If you're familiar, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, don't be reluctant to give it a try. You don't need the flexibility of a gymnast. You start wherever you are and go from there. My wife Kathleen and I just follow Yoga with Adrian on YouTube. I recommend her, but there are numerous options. If yoga just ain't your thing, mindfulness can also be applied to everyday activities. We can bring a heightened sense of awareness to ordinary tasks like eating, walking, or actively listening to someone. In addition to yoga, Kathleen and I walk together nearly every day. Sometimes we talk about the business of our lives. Sometimes we just walk, and we just enjoy the moment, the experience. This can be profound, too. The key is, as we saw earlier, begin with a clear intention and a definite decision. Start small. Pick one thing to be mindful about. My clients tend to do better when they chronicle their practice with a log. Start with something bite-sized and sustainable. I mentioned humility as related to mindfulness. So is gratitude. When we're grateful, it's easier to see and appreciate beauty in all things. It's easier to suspend judgment and build a sense of acceptance of what is real and lasting in the world around us. Another key is patience. Be process-oriented rather than results-oriented. Consistent practice will yield results. But as soon as we turn our attention to expected results, we're in the future and out of the powerful present moment. If you want more help and support, there is plenty available. Support is what the Aya Power community is all about. A membership will certainly help you with this. There are also numerous courses and groups dedicated to building mindfulness. Such options include mindfulness-based stress reduction, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, and the UCLA Mindful Awareness Research Center, among many others. These are available online as well as in person at facilities around the world. If you are new to a mindfulness practice, I would say start small. What do you regularly do that could serve as a focus for increased mindfulness? It might be a regular meal, either cooking it or eating it. It could be exercise. It could be anything that is routine. We practice mindfulness when we decide to do so. Be in the moment. Notice everything. Suspend judgment. Be open to experience. Ask one more penetrating question. Listen to your body. Leave space. These are the actions that will build mindfulness and let more of your power flow into your life. Let's go. This has been the Eye of Power podcast with Tom Dardick. I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd also like to thank my brother, Scott Dardick, for the music and his music production. If you'd like to reach me, simply email Tom at dardickcommunications.com.